You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Yeah, no horses and a man on fire, and I killed a guy with a trident. We're back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and it's the NCAA Campus Report now, brought to you by College Hockey Inc. If you are a player or you have one in your family, and you need to uh, know what you need to do to maintain your NCAA eligibility, if you're exploring all your options, well, then I recommend you go to College Hockey Inc. and uh, maybe get in contact with uh, some of the people with the company and uh, see exactly they can answer all your questions for you. And there's a lot of information right on their website too. That's College Hockey Inc. Uh, all right, my guest today is uh, Chris Peters from ESPN. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show, Chris. Good to chat with you again. It's good to be with you, Guy. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, okay, we're going to talk a lot of stuff. Uh, we're going to go across because uh, you cover prospects in general and not just college uh, stuff. But uh, most of what we're going to chat about has to do with college hockey or somewhere along that. But uh, I wanted to start with Kirby Doc, uh, who's not a college guy, but uh, an impact certainly on my side of the border with the Western Hockey League and uh, the news coming out that doesn't look like he's leaving Chicago anytime soon. Um, obviously, a, a real small sample size here with the Blackhawks, but he's shown enough uh, to, to stick in the NHL. Are you surprised? You know, I'm a little surprised that he did end up sticking, uh, you know, especially having started the year with uh, with a concussion and, and, and not being able to skate and mm-hmm. really missed the entirety of training camp didn't play any exhibition games and um you know you you have those rookie camp games but there's such a a dramatic step up from uh from that to the nhl and and i you know i i knew he had good hockey sense i knew that he you know he had the size he had the ability um you know but it just it's just a matter of reps and 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 not having the time to prepare but you know he, he performed really well at the world junior camp back in august and uh you know, he showed that, you know, in, in his best games, he, he was a dominant player. And, and, you know, obviously that's something that, that Chicago noticed as well. And, um, you know, I, but still surprised just, just because it's also because of where Chicago is right now. It's not a very good hockey team. I mean, just quite, quite frankly, it's not, not, they're just not good and they needed help. And, and I think that you don't want to be in a position as an organization where you basically, you need to have guys because they're your best options at this, at this stage. Um, you know, I thought Kirby could potentially benefit from another year, but at the same time, uh, he's given him every reason to keep him, uh, by, by, based on his play. Um, and I have thought that he, that he's, he's been pretty, pretty darn good there. And, you know, I, I, I can't blame Chicago for wanting to keep a player like that, especially when they, they just don't have the depth right now. I wonder, would it be, could you foresee it happening where he plays another month with them, goes to the world juniors and then maybe gets sent back to the dub? You know, it's possible, uh, but I, I think, I think it'd be, it'd be unlikely. Um, you know, I just think that Chicago's in a position right now. They just called up Adam Boquist as well, um, where, where they need to get, they need to see what they have. They need to see what these guys can do. And, and, you know, based on everything, it sounds like, you know, they're, they're telling him to, to kind of settle in and, and, and he's going to be there. And usually, you know, maybe there's a chance that he could go to the World Juniors, but I, my, my guess is if he went there, he would go back to Chicago. All right. Chris Peters from ESPN, my guest. Uh, let's get to the college stuff. And uh, I guess so much buzz around Wisconsin this year. Maybe we'll uh, start there. And I find it really interesting. I know you're, every time he scores a goal, you're, you got the, the counter going <laughs> every time Cole Caulfield scores. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised from the outside looking in how much attention he's getting when Alex Turcotte, is on the same team, and he was the you know the top five pick, uh, and Caulfield uh, you know second half of the first round. But uh, what's happening with the Badgers? And uh, and tell me about Caulfield and, and Turcotte and maybe Dylan Holloway as well. That's that's got to be a fun team to watch. 
It is, and I went to their home opener against the Minnesota Duluth, and it was it was a fun game. It wasn't a great game; it was a kind of sloppy game, but it was it was a lot of fun. There were a lot of goals, and and obviously, I think that the reason that that Cole, there's a couple of reasons that Cole Caulfield has been getting the attention that he's getting. Number one, he's a Montreal Canadiens draft pick, and and so he's now he's a big deal on both sides of the border. Um, and, and then also, I mean, I just think that the fact that he's a goal scorer um, and, and has scored in cartoonish numbers before and is already off to such a strong start. Is a big reason why he is, uh, you know, overshadowing Alex Turcotte, who was drafted ten spots ahead of him. And, and, and Turcotte is 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 not always the most flashy player. He's extremely effective. He, he actually ended up missing a couple of games last weekend uh, with an illness, but he's back back with the team. And uh, they actually play uh, Penn State uh, in in a series this week. And you know that's going to be a very goal happy series. There's yeah. not a lot not a lot of defending going there. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, he's not the flashiest guy, but he, he really, he's a well-rounded player and he's shown that already. Um, you know, playing alongside Cole Caulfield and, and, and Buffalo Sabres draft pick Linus Weisbach as well. Uh, fun line to watch. They're, they're, they're dominant despite their youth and, uh, it's, it's been incredible to see. And then Cole Caulfield's over a goal per game already this year, you know, seven goals. And, you know, I started that goal counter. Uh, just kind of like it, it just got got funnier and funnier to me every time he scored more, just because it's just it's just ridiculous. I mean, it it really is. I've never seen a goal score, you know, at, at that level. And and the the rookie record at Wisconsin is 36 goals by Mark Johnson from Miracle on Ice and NHL fame. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's going down this year. And if if it does, that's I mean, that's a pretty impressive feat for Cole Caulfield, and and it makes. Wisconsin all the more exciting to watch. That would be amazing for sure. Uh, so many of those players from that U.S. team from last year uh, drafted now and uh, on to the NCAA. A couple of guys, obviously, that uh, have gone elsewhere. But um, of the rest of those players, I'm thinking of guys like Zegris and, and Cam York, and well, the list goes on and on, uh, Matt Boldy. Who is who has uh, impressed you the most here in the early going at the next level? Um, you know, I... I their their record. Uh, he had a, a rough start last time out, but I, I think Spencer Knight has looked every bit as good as as advertised, save for one game so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, BC's off to a bit of a tough start. I knew that they were were going to ha- have difficulty because their defense is very young. It's not very good, um, and it, it will it will improve over time. Um, they they can score. They have great offensive talents like Boldy and, and, and David Cotton was one of the top goal scorers in the nation, in, in the, the nation last year. But Spencer Knight has given them a chance in almost every game except for that one, as I mentioned. And I, and I thought that he's looked so sharp. He's probably going to be the starter for Team USA at the World Junior Championship. Um, you know, he's, he's so locked in and so dialed in. He just looks like a professional, um, when he's playing the position. And, and it's been really impressive to kind of see him, but, you know, it's it's still early. I think Zegers has, has had great flashes. So has Cam York, Johnny Beecher. Took a little, a little while to get the goals going, but uh, and, and one of the, the the surprises I think in the country, there are two of them: Patrick Moynihan at Providence and and Owen Lindmark at Wisconsin, who's overshadowed by everybody there. But he's he's been a a, a penal, uh, he's been a power kill weapon. He's he's kind of a penalty kill guy, and he's got a couple of shorthanded goals already. And um, in the games that I've watched, he's been a factor in every single game. Um, and he's, he's an unheralded guy that, that was a depth player for that U.S. team. Um, and then Moynihan has been a, a, a producer for Providence and they need producers because they lost so much talent from, from last season. So, uh, it's, it's been impressive to watch that whole group, uh, you know, step up and, and play the way that they've played so far. 
Uh, and last year, from that, uh, the U.S. team, the U18 squad, there were what, how many players were not drafted from that roster? Was it just two? I believe it was three. Three, three total. Um, and, you know, they'll all be back in the mix this year. So you, you might see them get drafted. Um, I know, um, uh, Max Gilman was one that, that a lot of people are surprised did not go. Um, but he's, he's, a he's a guy that, uh, could go this year. Uh, and, uh, another one was, was it not, uh, Doug Waits' kid? I'm forgetting his first name right now. Oh, yeah, Danny. Danny Waite, yep, and he's in Penticton uh, doing pretty well for himself right yeah, now. Yeah, having a great season there, so it'd be interesting to see uh, uh, who snaps him up and how early that happens uh, this uh, in the 2020 draft. Um, Chris Peters from ESPN is my guest, and there was a big story. Uh, it's kind of been slow developing over the last month or so when it comes to the NCAA is with all the legislation. I know it started in California, and you're going to have to educate me and, and hopefully my audience on how all of this works, but the whole aspect of allowing players, uh, college players, to, to get paid for uh, their likenesses and for endorsement deals and things like that. I, I'm sure this is all going to take a while for it to actually have an impact, but once it happens, if it happens, how will that impact college hockey? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think there's a lot that we have to figure out yet. So, I, I you know, I'm still trying to wrap my hands around it as well. Uh, but the big development this week was, you know, that the NCAA essentially made that that the declaration that they're they're looking for a path to make that possible for players, um, and they they used a lot of specific wording in that. Like one of the one of the key phrases was was you know that that would allow players to to uh, you know profit off of their names and likenesses within the collegiate model. And I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Yeah. You know, like I don't I don't have any idea what that looks like for them. Uh, I think the goal is to have something figured out by 2021. Um, you know, there have been athletic directors that have been kind of looking into this. I think that it's going to have a, a very large impact on football and basketball. Um, you know, I think that there certainly could be an impact on hockey. I think it has to, you know, if there's a, a an avenue where players are getting paid for their names and likenesses, does that open up the doors to, you know, allowing CHL players to play U.S. college hockey? Okay. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case at this point because they still don't want quote-unquote professionals. And the, the main reason that CHL players are, are not allowed to play in the NCAA is because there are players in that league that are under NHL contract. Um, and so by virtue of even just competing in that league, you know, it's kind of viewed as a semi-professional league and, and there's specific wording in the NCAA rules that does not allow Canadian Hockey League players to to be eligible. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, there's a lot left to figure out. I think it's going to be, um, there's, there's still a lot of legislation that's going to have to happen. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be different. I don't think that there are going to be a ton of men's college hockey players that are going to be able to profit off their names and likenesses. Um, unless say you know, sports wants to put them in the, at the NHL game, like we like we remember years and years ago yeah, yeah. was brought up as a possibility. So there's a lot of different things that could come into play. It's a very complicated issue. It's a very important issue. Um, and it's one that I think that, that is going to make, uh, make for a lot of, uh, arguments and <laughs> disagreements and ultimately, hopefully solutions, uh, in the end for, for college hockey, for college athletics as a whole. And, and, and ultimately the idea is that it benefits the players. And that's, that's obviously what, uh, what we hope will be accomplished if, if all this goes through the way that, you know, it's at least trending towards. All right. We'll have to be patient. I'm sure as the, uh, the, the wheels of justice will turn slowly, uh, before it's all, <laughs> before it's all said and done. Um, Chris Peters from ESPN, you're the prospect guy for ESPN when it comes to hockey. So let's talk a little bit about, 
the prospect the side of it uh, and the scouting aspect and the All-American game getting scrapped and uh, the changes to the USHL top prospect game where they're sort of combining the two events. When I first read the press release, I didn't really like it because there's a lot of guys who played in the All-American game who aren't USHLers um, that won't have Correct. that showcase yeah. event now. Um, so I was disappointed to well, see that. But will they make an exception maybe for some of the high school guys that uh, maybe they'll get an invite to the USHL top prospect game? I don't know about the, the North American Hockey League guys, if, if they'll have that opportunity. I know they have their own game as well. But, you know, there are aspects of this new format that uh, I'm still waiting to get clarification on. And at the moment, I kind of don't like it. Yeah, you know, I, I think it, it is certainly watered down versus the All-American Prospects game. Um, but at the same time, uh, the All-American Prospects game was not doing what it was supposed to do, really. I mean, you look at a lot of players that play in that game still didn't get drafted. So, you know, that, that's, that's one of the, the aspects. I think that the, the USHL Top Prospects game had become less and less of a priority for NHL scouting staff. They'd always have somebody there, but it would, you know, fewer GMs were making that trip when it used to be that they would just because the, and I think this year in particular, it's kind of necessary because this is really a down year for the U.S. draft pool. It's not a, not a deep class. It's not a class where you're going to have a lot of exceptional American players coming out of the USHL. Um, and, and playing in that game. So, uh, that's, that's the other element of it. Um, you know, the fact that you were splitting up the, the U18 team as well, and that was kind of just a weird thing because a lot of people just want to see them play in their regular roles for their team. Um, if they're going to play, if they're going to scout those specific players. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I mean, I think that there were a lot of different elements into that. I think part of it, you know, it's just the kind of, the, the All-American Project team being an NHL arena that just didn't take, there wasn't, you know, they didn't sell many tickets. It, it, it still brought in a lot of scouts and everything, but, and I'm with you. I hope that, you know, the college, the, the high school players, um, some of the, co- co- I don't think we'll see any college players involved in that at all. Um, you know, in terms of draft eligible guys, there aren't a ton to pick from anyway this year. Uh, but, but at the same time, you know, the, it was an opportunity um, for guys like, you know, you look back a couple of years ago, Ryan Fitzgerald was the MVP of the game, played prep, prep hockey. Right. You know, he's, he's kind of been up and down with Boston, but you know, there, there have been guys that have really stood out in that game over the years, but you know, in the end, it still kind of showed a little bit of the separation uh, among you know, the, the class and it just ultimately didn't do what it, what it set out to do. So I, I would, I would hope that, you know, as the, as the pool grows again, and I think we'll have a pretty solid class with the, the next birth year and, and that'll be interesting to see kind of how they let that play out. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, I knew it was coming. I knew that the changes were coming. I wasn't sure exactly what it was going to end up looking like. I think this is the best way to make sure that the USHL is heavily involved to make sure the NTDP is involved and ultimately to make it a, a game that is still attractive to scouts and, and everybody else and putting it in Plymouth as well, puts it in front of a, where a lot of scouts already live. Um, and, and that will, that will help increase the prominence, at least in, in the scouting community, I would think. Yeah. That's the good part of the change. I like that it is the U.S. national development team. The, the U18 squad will play as a team, as a unit against. Uh, basically a USHL uh, all-star team of draft-eligible players. So I like that aspect. I just look at it, the downside is the potential players who are missing out uh, on that night and on, on having a, another showcase for those guys. I know there were some CHL guys who well, played in the All-American prospect game 
as well over the years. And a guy like Antonio Estrangis with uh, the London Knights would be a, an example for a guy this year who I'm sure he'll still get an invite to the CHL top prospect game. But right, yeah, just another example. Absolutely, yeah, and and I I think I think it'll be a constant reevaluation with something like that. But but you know, in the end. They, they still want to make give, get, provide that showcase to the American player and have USA Hockey be a part of it. And um, there are always so many stakeholders in, in something like that as well uh, that you you know it's, you can never make everybody happy. But I think ultimately this season in particular, it's probably the best best case scenario. Chris, what are you working on uh, for ESPN in the next little bit? Well, I'm, I'm heading out to New Brunswick for the the Canada Russia series. Going to you know to try to tackle the the beast that is uh, Alexi Lafreniere in terms of just what makes him so good and why he's having such a, an incredible season. And I'm really excited to see that. I'm excited to talk to the other QMJHL players that are, are going to be there. And, and obviously the hockey Canada folks that are, are scouting that for the world juniors. I'm obviously always interested in seeing the Russians to, to see the, the roster, whichever that they bring um, and who's all part of that process as well. Um, it's just a really, I, I, that, that event has really grown on me in terms of an evaluation point. Um, and yeah, I think that that's, that's the thing that I'll be focusing on and I'll be taking a little break to really focus on actually just getting out to more rinks and, and, and doing some, some, you know, uh, you know, doing some actual scouting and, you know, I, I, and trying to evaluate players and, and, and focusing on, you know, the midterm and then obviously the world juniors coming up, uh, will be, uh, that'll be a big event as well for, for me, but yeah, I'll, it, it never stops in the prospect world, as you know, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way either. So it's it's been a lot of fun, but I'm really excited to get to New Brunswick and, and getting an up close look at the, the QMJHL crop this year. Well, we'll watch for all of that. You you just want to get out of Iowa. I saw the picture you tweeted. You guys you guys got winter already. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, I mean, I was like, if I have to go to Canada to leave the snow, something's <laughs> wrong here. So, uh, but I'm I'm more than willing to do it. I've been spent a lot of time in, in your great country these last couple of years, and it is. Uh, it is always a pleasure. So, and I've never been to New Brunswick, so I am I am jacked to go to St. John Mountain as well. Awesome! That's uh, my home province. Uh, yeah, no, I think you'll enjoy it a lot, uh, Chris. I enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for doing this again. We'll we'll uh, call you sooner as opposed to later. All right, sounds great. Thanks, Lucky. Good friend of the show, Chris Peters from ESPN. We started having him on the show way back when he was running a blog that uh, he called the United States of Hockey Blog. And uh, actually, I knew the, knew him before that when he was still working for uh, USA Hockey. And uh, since then, he's gone on to much bigger and better things, And uh, but always makes time for the Pipeline Show, which I really appreciate. Great guy in person, too, if you get a chance to uh, just to sit down and chat for a while. Maybe you're at a tournament or something like that, and he happens to be there. All right, one more segment to go on the show, and that will be the 2020 Draft Spotlight segment, an insider uh, scoop for you guys. Uh, this was actually the first interview that I did this week. It's going to be the last segment of the show, but uh, through the magic of uh, podcasts and editing, you're not going to hear it in the uh, the right order. Uh, but uh, my guest, coming all the way from Sweden, and uh, here's a guy who's expected to be a first-round pick. There's a few Swedes who could be first-rounders in 2020. Noel Gundler is one of them. Hear from him next. Hi, it's Norris Seider from the Adler Mannheim of Germany. Zwei auf eins, Isis mit Seider und er macht sein erstes Deal-Tor. 5-1, Mannheim, Moritz Seider. You're listening to The Pipeline Show. 
From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A Hockey is officially back for the 2019-2020 season with all the action taking place at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. With tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca.